0: Welcome back to another episode of Life in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Harper. Today is Sunday, September 26th, 2020. It's about 1240 in the afternoon. And the nice weather is here. Thanks for hitting me up. Life in Paradise podcast. Got a good show for you today. I missed last week because I was hunting. I got some some stories from that maybe if I have time if not you could switch over to Eskimo Bros 69 podcast I think Harry and I are going to podcast later and we're going to have the Voitech on to talk about his first ever hunting experience for those of you who don't know me I uh, started podcasting in 2014 when I lived down in Nicaragua when I left Nicaragua to pursue opening a brewery I took about a year and a half hiatus but now I'm back I'm just a regular dude with a regular job with lots of opinions, so I come here about once or twice every one or two weeks to get them off my chest. And I like to always say that even if we have difference of opinions, we could still be friends. Because I think a big problem in the world today is that people don't know how to communicate or they don't know how to disagree without being disagreeable. And if there's one thing you'll know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. So, sit back, relax, and let me run the autopilot for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. they coming to America. Got a dream. up gang, sorry for the missed week, uh, like I mentioned in the intro, I was hunting, uh, probably killed more brain cells than dove, but still had a great time, dove hunting's always fun to me, it's like the appetizer for hunting season, Get to break out the shotgun, sharpen up your shooting, hang out with the homies, dove are simple to hunt, you just sit on a cooler and you shoot them when they fly by, you get to talk and hang out, so I'm always up for a dove hunt or two right before hunting season it's not something that like I long to do but uh yeah it's always fun I'm not like I don't think anyone's a huge dove hunter they just kind of do it because that's the first thing you can hunt during the season so till season's here too I don't know if I'll get to do much of that we're so far south that most of ducks don't make it down here until later in the season so I'm gonna definitely try to go duck hunting this year I just It's hard for me to go without a dog, you know, Uh, for me, one of the greatest joys in hunting waterfowl is having your dog with you. And while I have a a four-year-old Belgian Malinois, she's not capable of (laughs) sitting still or picking up birds. Um, In fact, I took her with me out to my buddy Gerald's deer lease where we went dove hunting and I thought, man, I could could probably teach this dog to, to fetch ducks, retrieve them to me. Because for those of you who don't know, when you're duck hunting, you're normally over water. You shoot a duck, it goes down. Sometimes the water's too deep. Sometimes the mud's nasty. And it's so much better to have a dog. And you send the dog to pick up the duck and come back. So I attempted to show Gypsy a a bird, like a fresh-killed dove, thinking that she would pick it up. And I could get her to bring it back to me because she'll retrieve things all day. So I get her all excited. I show her the bird. I wave in front of her. She shows a little bit of excitement. I kind of pitch it off to the side, thinking she'll go grab it, and she kind of prances over to it and takes a couple little sniffs and just looks at me, and I go, fetch, and she picks it up, spits it out, picks it up, spits it out, doesn't like the feathers in her mouth. So I don't know. It may not work out. Uh, there is a process that you can do that forces them to fetch things, but, man, uh, it's, it's different between a lab and a Malinois. So I could probably make her do it. But Malinois are the type of dogs that um, it's just they're way more fun to be around whenever they like to do things. So forcing them to do things, it, um, I don't know. I would do it with a lab all day because they're, they're a different demeanor. They understand things differently. But uh, Malinois, you know, they might respond <laughs> with trying to bite. So I don't think Gypsy would ever try to bite me. But I'm not willing to force her to do something just because I want her to pick up ducks. So that's kind of where I'm at on that all that being said, I'm torn. Um, you know, I don't, whenever I decide to get a new dog, it's not a, um, uh, it's not something I just decide run one day to run out and buy a dog. It's something I start thinking about. I decide what I want in a dog. And normally I'll plan for about a year or two years ahead of time. So, you know, Bentley and Bronco, my two old labs or they're half lab, half golden. They're getting kind of old. I'm not going to bring a puppy into either one of their lives cause it's too stressful. So when they're gone, I'm going to get another dog. And I'm teetering back and forth between a Labrador and another Malinois. Um, If I do get another Malinois, I would be likely to get another Lab soon after that. And vice versa. If I get a Lab, I'll be likely to get a Malinois puppy soon after that. I never thought that I would like the Malinois breed as much as I do, but they're super fun dogs. They're agile. They're energetic. uh, They're super bonded with their owners. They're just a fun, fun dog, so... But you didn't come here to hear me talk about dogs. Maybe you did. I don't know. But I'm going to shift now. Every now and then, I like to update you guys on what's happening at the brewery. So uh, the name of our brewery is called New Aces Brewing Company. It's in Corpus Christi. And no, it's not N-E-W-A-C-E-S. It's N-U-E-C-E-S, which means nuts in Spanish. And if you're not from here, you might think, What did you just call it? Nuts Brewing Company because you guys are crazy? I'd probably say yes, but in reality, there's a bunch of geography tied to the word Nueces. There's a Nueces County, Nueces River, Nueces Bay. So we kind of ran with that. Anyway, we are on the verge of going into cans and being available in grocery stores, gas stations, liquor stores, and the like. One might think, oh, that's simple. You just put beer in the can, and then you sell it to the stores. Oh, no. No, no. Not nearly that simple. As you can imagine, there's tons of regulation involved. So, first of all, you have to design the label. You have to find someone that knows how to design beer labels. Otherwise, you go all through the work of all getting it designed. Then you submit it to the federal government because they have to approve it. For you know, God forbid we put something on a beer label that we shouldn't or we leave something off that we shouldn't. What... <laughs> What could go wrong if we had the proper improper beer labels on cans? Oh, don't get me started. Either way, you got to draw the label, you got to get the label approved, you got to get the label printed, and that's just for the label. You also have to produce the recipes. You have to get the recipes approved by the federal government. They have to bless what's in your beer, and they get to see all your trade secrets. But but they're doing it for our best interest, just to keep just to keep the people safe. They're going to do that. On top of all that, you have to buy a bunch of cans, which right now no one can find. Cans—they're hard to come by. They're expensive. There's shortages everywhere, which I may talk about shortages a little bit later. But I'm tired of shortages. It's crazy to me that every industry things are short labor's short. But but what would the oh, two weeks to flatten the curve? Just two weeks. If we can just shut things down for two weeks, everything will be fine. How'd that work out for you? So, we're in the throes of getting beer into cans. On top of all the labels and all the cans and all that crap, all the places where you gotta store the cans and how you gotta keep dust off the cans, you have to put the labels on the cans. That's another $30,000 machine. You gotta have the labor to put the beer in the cans, you gotta have the machine that puts the beer in the cans. And you don't just hold like a water hose over the can. It's this big, elaborate machine that rinses out the can, blows CO2 into the can, puts the beer in the can, puts more CO2, adds just the right amount of foam, drops the lid on the can, seams the lid on the can, seals it, spits it out. Then you got to put the six pack holders on it and you got to stack it on a pallet and wrap it. So by the time it's all said and done, beer companies make about a dollar on every six pack you buy so you buy a craft beer six pack for nine bucks ten bucks one dollar goes back to the brewer so when you complain about how expensive this beer is realize that most of its taxes packaging distributors and retailers brewers don't get that much (laughs) i wish somebody would have told me this three years ago but going back to the label design a little bit we um we hired a guy out of California to design our original logo, and man, we worked great with him. He he produced exactly what we wanted. He listened to us, and so we thought, hey, we're going to go back to this guy, and he, he was expensive. He was not cheap, so we thought, we're going to go back to this guy for a can design, so we reached out to him. We said, hey, bud, we're uh, looking at you know, using your services des- to design our cans. Oh, no, sorry. I can't do it. Too busy. Well... Okay, must be nice. So we go back to him. Hey, man, throw out a price uh, to make it worth it. Like, we know you're not cheap, but we really liked your work, and would love to work with you. Sorry, man, can't do it, too busy. <laughs> oh, my goodness, must be nice. So he referred us to one of his buddies, and uh, we got three different prices. We got, we got quotes on what it would take to design these labels. One guy was 1500 Another guy was 4500 and another guy was 9000 <laughs> That's to design three labels for three different brands of beer. $9,000. <laughs> maybe I'm in the wrong business. Maybe instead of trying to mess with all the intricacies of making beer and putting it into cans, maybe we should just start a label design business. So that's the brewery update. I'm going to kind of be more diligent about updating what's going on at the brewery. A lot of people like to hear about it, so... Instead of me just copying and pasting texts to send to people, I'm just going to put on here and say, go listen to the podcast, bro. You know, one thing that kind of bothers me, and once again, I come here to complain. So just accept it. (laughs) Know that I'm not a grumpy old man. I just, I notice things and I I like to talk about them, you know? So one thing that kind of bothers me is people... Not willing to stand behind or or defend their thoughts, and they give disclaimers so that they're less liable for what they're about to say. Here's an example: You have two people who live next to you. They're two guys. They both drive Priuses, and you're talking to your friend, and you say, "Hey." I think those guys who live next door might be gay. I mean, I don't have I don't have a problem with gay people. I don't have any I have no problem with that. Like, why do you have to say that? Why do you have to say things like, I don't I don't want to offend anyone, but uh, Tommy down the street who was wearing a dress the other day, he he might used to be a girl. I don't know. I'm not trying to offend nobody. I don't have no problem with no kind of gay people or nothing. You don't have to say that. You don't have to give a disclaimer. You don't have to worry about offending people with your opinions. I mean, our opinions, we're entitled to them. We're allowed to have them. And assuming that someone is prejudiced or has a bias because they're talking about something is a sign. That that shows you of of the social pressures that we're receiving from all these media sources and these left-leaning people, white liberals, you know, they they expect you to give this disclaimer before you give your opinion. And and I'm of the mindset of we shouldn't assume anything. If someone just says, hey, the two guys who live next door, I think they're gay. However, however you say it, whatever your tone of voice does not matter. You know, unless someone says, Man, they're bleepity bleep 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 bleak bleep you know, then then you can maybe assume that. That, they're, that they hate gay people, but just simply speaking of someone or telling a story, you know, if you're telling a story about someone who has black skin and you say, yeah, he was a black guy, well, I mean, you don't have to say, well, I, I have no problem with black people, but I, I saw the guy and he was, he was still in hubcaps. I mean, not, not that all black people are still hubcaps. Yeah, we know. We know that. You don't have to say that. To me, what it sounds like is that people are scared that they're being, quote-unquote, judged for making a statement. And if you have to give a disclaimer to prove that, that you don't have a bias towards someone, maybe you're not that confident in your opinion. Maybe you're not really sure about how you feel about things. Maybe you should check within yourself, because if you were confident and you were unbiased and you don't hate gay people, you would just say, yeah, some gay guys live next door to me. You don't have to say, but I have no problem with that. Just for the record, gay neighbors are the best kind. Yes, that's right. Gay neighbors are the best kind of people to live next to. You know why? They make good money. They don't have little nasty kids running around popping your tires or breaking into your trucks. They take care of their grass. They know all the gossip. You know, I've had lots of gay neighbors. I love them. They're great. Never once would I have to say, oh, they're gay. But that's okay. I have no problem with gay people. Stop it. Stop being apologetic for your opinions. Because I guarantee you, you know who's not apologetic for their opinions? The people who judge you for expressing your opinion. The people who accuse Border Patrol agents of whipping Haitians, mimicking slave owners. Those are the people who will judge you. And their opinion doesn't matter. Which brings me right into my next topic. Although it's out of order, I'm going to go ahead and hit it now. Everyone saw or heard or has been made aware of the situation at the Texas-Mexico border. I talked about it a little bit on my podcast. Voitex buddy, who I also know, has come across the border with his Nicaraguan family. And they're here. It was no big deal. They paid $3,500 a person. They're here. There's a border crisis. I hate the word crisis, but it it's... No other way to describe it than I can think of right now while I'm recording this podcast. So since the federal government, old Slurry Joe, has decided he doesn't really want to address it or do anything about it or go there or send someone there or talk about it, all he does is put out a little circle back girl to, to answer questions and, and dodge most of them. So anyway, I'm sure everyone has seen the pictures of the guy on a horse who was wrangling illegal immigrants. When I saw the pictures, I just laughed. And for those of you who may have not seen it, I'm going to just give a quick explanation here. There were some videos that came out of some guys on horses that were pushing around or using their horses to manipulate the movement of these people that are trying to cross the border. Just so happens that they were Haitian. Just so happens that they were black. But what happened? All these people, these whiners, these black activists, these people who will find any incident and make it look like Present-day America is is slavery-ridden, okay? Drives me nuts, these people. So you had a guy that was trying to run. You had a horse that was trying to chase him down. You had a guy on the horse who was controlling the horse with reins, and he he had his reins flung out in a way that looked like it, it, he was intending to hit the guy. If you know anything about horses and you know anything about controlling them, you'll understand that there was not a whip, he was not trying to hit anyone. He was using the reins to control his horse. There's also another one of the guys swinging his rein in a circle, like a loop, you know, between him and the, and the Haitian refugee. And I didn't know what that was. So I was like, well, that's not, that's not what you do if you're going to whip somebody. You don't, you don't swing it in a circle. So I looked it up. I found a video that explained if you have a horse who doesn't want to go a certain way, You spin the reins in circles next to their head, and so they see this thing flashing by their eyes, and to them, that's pressure to push them away from that. If you understand animals, you understand how they react, That makes perfect sense to you. When I saw that, I thought, oh, that makes perfect sense, because I honestly didn't know what he was doing. I didn't think he was going to whip someone with it, but I thought, why is he spinning it? Maybe he's just trying to intimidate the guy. Come to find out, he was using it to control his horse. But the idea... That these guys who are trying to to protect the border, they're risking their health, their safety, possibly their lives, so that people don't just come pouring into our country uninvited. And they're being accused by the people who run the federal government? I mean, dude, (laughs) I'm not encouraging anyone to quit, but I would be tempted to throw them the middle finger, put my horse in the trailer, and go home. And say, you know what? You sort this out on your own. But you know what? These people have dignity, they have pride, they're there to do their job, and they take their licks. And the notion that they're going to be criticized just really, really bothers me. That It is so far out of touch with reality to think that we have people who are on horses that, that look at these Haitian immigrants and treat them like slave owners treat slaves. Do you people realize that no one... In the US, of any importance, no one thinks that slavery is good. No one thinks that other humans should own humans and whip them. You people realize that? Or is that just kind of like, do you really think that there's a large group of individuals who would love to own slaves and specifically black ones? No, of course not. You people make these things up to divide the general public. And look at it, we're talking about it. It works. It works. If you're offended by a guy on a horse who's flinging around a piece of leather, you have problems. You're worried about things. That guy, he works for the federal government. He's a government employee. Hey, you hired him. If you're the federal government and you're worried about it, you need to sort it out. It's absolutely preposterous to me. I'm going to play a clip for you. This is by Maxine Waters. She's a, a congressperson out of California, California who, if I had to guess, I would say her IQ is somewhere between, like, 80 and 90. So that's, that's pretty low. 70 and below is considered mentally handicapped. So maybe 95, maybe 100. Somewhere in there, she's not a smart human. All she does is try to separate and divide us. If, if you realize, the, these people who are always complaining about division, they're the ones who make the comments about us being divided. They're the ones who use the words, like, we me, us, them, they, okay? It's, it's not Ted Cruz. It's not Dan Crenshaw. It's not Mike Pence, How much you, however much you hate him, however much you think that babies should be able to be aborted up to the day before they're born. Those guys don't divide us. Those guys just want equality across the board. They want us to refer to people as people, as humans. If we need a physical description, then we give a physical description of someone's skin color, But pay close attention, it's the radical left that's trying to divide us, and they blame it on the radical right. And when I say us, I mean the general population. I heard an interesting phrase the other day. It said, after enough time, the left turns lies into truth and truth into lies. Think about that, listen to Maxine Waters. This is embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for our country because of this human. What the hell are we doing here? What we witness takes us back hundreds of years. What we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. Cowboys. What we witnessed is worse than what we witnessed in slavery. First of all, Maxine, you have never witnessed one minute of slavery. Cowboys. Listen, you are talking about cowboys. With their reins, again, whipping... Black people, Haitians, into the water where they're scrambling and falling down and all they're trying to do is escape from violence in their country. Whipping black people into the water when all they're trying to do is escape violence from their country. So what, should we let them in, Maxine? Should we let them in because they're black? Oh, that's not racist. Should we stop them from crossing the border or should we not stop them from crossing the border? I mean, I would like, hey, I'm not for violence. I'm not for violence. Well, sometimes I'm for violence, but I'm usually not for violence when it comes to women. I would like for someone to show this woman what a whipping is. Let me show you what it's like to be whipped with leather. And then you ask that Haitian who was just looking for a better life if he got whipped. You you think that we're bad here? First of all, Maxine, you and your partners, your government, you're the ones who hire these people. This is a de- Department of the Federal Government. Second of all, you think it's bad here? You, you go to the border of, of North Korea. Go to the border of China. Go to the border of Nicaragua, Guatemala, Honduras. Go there. Go to the border of Mexico and try to run past the guards, the federales. Try to sneak past them. Try to run from them. See what happens to you. They will whip you. They will lock you in a hole. They may or may not let you out. I can't stress it enough. Either we're going to have a total number of people we allow in the country each year to move here, or we're not. I think we can all agree that we have to limit the number of immigrants who come here per year. And to think that we should just stop and not enforce the rules because someone's black and they cross the river and they're Haitian is preposterous. You should not want this person leading your government. You should not want this person making decisions. You know why? Because they're using their emotions. They're they're feeling a certain way. They're seeing something. They're misclassifying it, and it's making them feel a certain way. So now they're willing to change the policy. They're willing to alter the course based on their feelings. What's more dynamic than feelings? What changes more than your feelings? Nothing. Nothing. We should use statistics, and we should stick to it. And if we don't like something, we change the rules. But we don't just say, well, you have to let them in because they're black. And if you use your horse to, to push them back, it'll look like you're whipping them. So just let them in. No. You shut up, Maxine. You shut up. I heard the interview of one of the guys. Actually, I think he was a he was a Democrat congressman. His district was on the border or near it. Um, And he was interviewed about it. And he said, look. These guys aren't whipping anyone. They're doing their job. What do you, what do you want them to just to let the, the Haitians run past him? I, I've looked at tons of video, and these guys are crossing the water, and they're literally trying to juke the horses to run past him. And he's like, these guys were hired. The federal government pays these people to keep illegal immigrants from crossing the border. That's what they're doing. They've been given permission to use horses. Why? A horse is big. A horse is powerful. One human might be able to control five humans with a horse, whereas it would be one or two if he was on foot. So of course we're going to use horses. They're bigger. They're more powerful. It makes sense. You can move people faster and easier. It's more intimidating. If you're trying to keep people from coming in into somewhere, why not intimidate them? Why not? Why would you not? So kudos to the Democrat congressman who supported the Border Patrol, which I think like 95% of Border Patrol agents are Hispanic. So so what, now Mexicans are racist too? These people, they don't, they don't stop and they don't think. It's just one crisis after another. Everything's racist. Everything's biased. Everything's cultural. Everything's the end of the world. I mean, it's got to be exhausting being them. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Okay, on to the next debacle. Um, for those of you who haven't heard, there's a company in China called Evergrande. They're a huge real estate company, one largest in the world. They had like 200 cities in which they were building projects and their housing development. So the way housing works in China is there's no mortgage. You have to pay cash, and you have to pay for the house in its entirety before they'll even start construction. So you have to give them the money, and then a one or two or three years later, they, they finish the project and they hand you the keys to your house. Here's the kicker. In China, you only get social services for your entire life in the region in which you were born. So you have all these people that were born outside of the cities that are trying to go into the cities and work. But if they do that, they don't get health care. There's no school for their kids to go to. You get the picture. There's no social services unless you buy a house. So they relocate to the cities and they buy a house. Here's the even bigger kicker. I already explained there's no mortgages. You have to pay up front. The average house is 46 times the average annual salary. I want you to put that in perspective. Think about if you have a combined household income of $100,000. You have a, a police officer and a teacher, something like that. For them, a stretch, a stretch, would be a three hundred thousand dollar house. The average person spends about double, maybe two and a half times, of their average house or of their household income on a house. China, forty six. So, if you make thirty thousand dollars a year in China, multiply thirty thousand times forty six. That comes out to a lot. I don't know. I'm not doing the math, but. You get the picture, one point something million for $30,000, and these people were buying these houses. And what this company Evergrande was doing, they were going out and they're borrowing money based on their home sales. So they're leveraging their assets with, with debt. They're saying, look, we've got all these houses sold, loan us more money, start more projects. We've got those houses sold, loan us more money, start more projects. And it kind of starts to look like, well, this is never gonna end. So we can just borrow more and build more and borrow more and build more. But eventually, one day, the demand ends. There's people that decided, I don't want to move, or everyone's bought who's going to buy. And so what happens? They can no longer use the money coming in to pay the debt down on projects that are under construction. To break it down, let's just say as a home builder, you go out and you start a house and you get pretty close to being done with that house. And you have a buyer. You have someone who's agreeing to buy it. Then you go to the bank and you say, look, I've already got this house sold. There's a contract. This person's going to buy it. Loan me the money to start another one. So the bank says, okay, that's cool. We trust the contract. Here you go. Then you do that times two and then times four and then times six. And then eventually you've got a huge pool of money that you owe. You got a huge pool of people who are waiting for houses, and you've got a huge list of construction projects that aren't done. It's like Robin Peter to PayPal, and so it's all about to come crashing down unless the Chinese government steps in and bails them out. Currently, they owe three hundred billion dollars in debt. A decent amount of that is U.S. dollars, so it's it's a U.S. company called BlackRock, which is probably the largest investment company in the world. I think they have nine trillion uh, assets under management. So. They have a little bit of chunk in the Chinese market. It's not a huge amount. I don't think it will affect them in the long run. But who knows uh, how this thing shakes out. A lot of people are saying that it could bring down the whole U.S. economy. I don't think that it could. I think it might spit some fear into the market. Things might drop a little bit. But I think they'll come back until we see our own crash for a different reason. And I want to give my prediction on how this whole thing shakes out. The federal government has already given them I think, like $30 to cover their their note last week. Uh, There was another piece that they defaulted on that they have a 30-day grace period to sort it out. So about this time next month, we'll know more. But what I think is going to happen is I think the Chinese government is going to let them squirm. I think they're going to let them default on a bunch of money. Then they're going to swoop in and say, Hey, Evergrande, we're the Chinese government. And we're here to save you. We're going to take all your assets. So they're going to take ownership of all the buildings that these people have built, which I think is like 1,500 high rises or something like that. It's a crazy amount. Um, they're, going to, they're going to take all the assets. They're going to assume the debt. They're going to go back to the, the creditors, the people who loaned Evergrande money. And they're going to say, hey, uh, we, you're not going to get paid all that money that they owed you, but we'll pay you like 10 cents on the dollar. So it's either that or nothing. And obviously the creditors will say, okay, that's fine. It's better than nothing. We'll take that. And so now the Chinese government, they paid off the debt, they own the assets, and then you'll see one of the largest real estate companies in the world owned by the Chinese government. That's what I suspect. The current president is far more socialist than the last president of China. Last president implemented capitalism, took away some regulations, wanted to see the country flourish. And they did. They grew in a huge bubble, and it's now about to pop. So it's a fine balance between regulations and capitalism. The pendulum's about to swing the other way, and the outcome will be that the Chinese government controls a large amount of real estate in China. That's my prediction. Come back and check it out. Let's talk about COVID just for a second. How do I know that things aren't as bad as what everyone says? Here's how I know. Because currently... They're willing to fire nurses who won't get the vaccine. Now, a lot of these nurses have already had COVID. They have the antibodies, which is stronger. It's more durable than the vaccine, according to lots of studies, although Fauci won't admit it. There's lots of reports that are saying that it's better to have the antibodies than it is the vaccine. When I say better, I mean more effective at fighting off the virus. So these nurses are getting fired. But but what happened to all the... The shortages. What happened, to, what happened to that? Well, you might say, well, they're just traveling nurses and they'll just have to pick up the slack. They'll have to just pay extra for nurses to come in from other cities. But that, I don't think that's the case. Because in Poland, where Wojtek's from, his mom is a nurse. She's been a nurse for like 50 years or something. They won't fire her. Why won't they fire her? Because they need her. They, the va- vaccine is mandatory for healthcare workers over there, but she says I'm not getting the vaccine. You can fire me if you want to, and they won't do it because they really, really need nurses there. If we really, really needed them, they wouldn't be getting fired. I think it's funny that a year ago we were singing the praises of the healthcare workers. They were they were basically superheroes, could do no wrong. Give them all free things, pay them five times what you normally pay them. There are heroes, and then now we're willing to fire them because they won't get a vaccine, even though they've already had COVID, even though they have the antibodies. But who's okay with this? Like, who doesn't see the overreach here? Who doesn't see the hypocrisy? I don't know. It's, it's frustrating for me <laughs> if you can't tell. I also had another little revelation this week about these people who run around and they say, Trust the science. I just trust the science. I trust the science. I have to just trust the science. Just trust the, si- trust the science. I trust the, si- trust the scientists, the researchers, and the research, and the studies, and the, research, and the peer review. Hey, listen to me. You know what science is, you wanka? Science is questioning science. Science is saying, hey, I don't believe that. Let's run this fact check. Let's do this. Let's run a hypothesis. Let's come to a conclusion. Let's think about it. Let's dissect it. Because we once thought the earth was flat, and that was science. We once thought that cigarettes healed you, and that was science. Let's not forget that the CDC administered syphilis to black people in the 60s. That's right. Look it up. The CDC gave syphilis to black people so that they could study it. That was science. Just trust the science. What made me think of this was I saw someone post something the other day on Facebook and it had something to do with some fossils or something. The details are kind of irrelevant, but it had something to do with some fossils that were found and originally they had thought to have been X amount of years old. Well, recently scientists proved that the first scientists were wrong and it had been here X plus a thousand years more or, or whatever. The whole point is that they... They found new data. They found information that proved that the old theory was wrong. Now, to think that that same type of thing won't continue happening into eternity is preposterous because something is only science until we find a new technology to prove it wrong. It's, it's, really, it's all just a bunch of theories and not to mention that these people who produce these theories are humans. On top of that, Lots of these humans are motivated by other things than pure science. Who, who out there knows someone who loves their job so much that they would take less money to do the same job or they, they, would, they would not take an increase in pay in order to produce a certain type of result? My point is, I think most people, including myself, are motivated by money. We do things so that we get paid. We're not motivated by just the, the purity of science. And and these scientists, I'm not saying they have bad motivations. I think that they really want to produce the truth. But I think that they become motivated to find truth when there's profit. But Write that down. Somebody put that down and put Harper 2021 20, after it. If someone approached you and they said, hey, man, how do you feel about climate change? And you said... Yeah, man, I think that uh, humans are screwing it up and we're causing this climate change and it's all because of us and every hurricane and every fire and everything is all because of climate change. Okay, cool. Hey, would you mind doing this research uh, paper for me? Uh, it's all about the impact of climate change and how we can uh, restructure the regulations in the automotive industry to help save the climate. I mean, that's how it works. People don't like just change their opinion to make money. These people... Who are in charge of this research go out and find people who agree with them and they say, okay, now research this, and here's the government's grant's gonna pay you this much money, and all you have to do is produce the research that that basically coincides with your opinion. So who would turn that down? Nobody. Nobody. Now I'm not sitting here saying climate change is all a hoax, it's all fake. I'm saying we don't know. I'm saying I don't know. I'm saying probably nobody knows. Because what we think is science often turns out to not be. There's things that we're doing today that we're going to look back on 50 years from now, and we're going to say, huh, what were we thinking? Why did we actually think that blank, fill in the blank. Why did we actually think that producing electric cars would produce less of a carbon footprint? Because we figured out that it takes tons of energy to produce them, and that energy is electricity provided by coal-burning energy plants makes sense to me that we start with energy production and work our way down and not start at the retail level and work our way up. That's just my opinion. I'm not going to knock Elon Musk, though. That's my boy. Two more things. Then I'm going to wrap, 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 wrap this up. The first one, I never realized, and this is going to sound arrogant. I know, I know, and it kind of is. I never realized how dumb the general public was Until I started trying to market to them. And I'm in a position where I have to try to keep them happy and make sure that we meet their expectations, even if they're unrealistic sometimes. Because they're the customer, and they're the ones who pay our bills. So it's important to me that we give them good service. That's something that I always talk about. It's hugely important to me. The companies that give good service are few and far between. And we remember them, we go back to them, and we sing their praises. Chick-fil-A. Discount tire, jacking up, (laughs) no, no, not jacking up, Uh, pop, no, no, not Popeyes either, but you do know who gives good service, and you know who gives bad service. All that to say, it's very tough to deal with the general public, (laughs) and I have an example as to why. A lot of times when the phone at the brewery rings, I answer it, typically stationed at my desk, glued to the computer screen. We don't have a secretary. We can't afford something like that. That kind of luxury. So whoever's sitting near the phone has to answer it. I'm going to run through the phone call. I'm not going to imitate the accent because it's not important now. Ring, ring me. New Asus Brewing Company. Um, yes. Do you all have barbecue? Uh, yep, we sure do. Uh Uh-huh, okay. Um, and like sandwiches? Yep, we sure do. We have barbecue sandwiches. We have combo plates. We have all kinds of stuff. Uh, if you want, you can hop on our website. We have a live menu there. Sometimes we run out of brisket, and when we do, we put it on the website, so you'll see it. Okay, um, I, I want a, a barbecue sandwich. Okay. Sliced beef or chopped beef? Uh, sliced. Okay, no problem. Anything else? Uh, no, but I don't want no sauce. Okay. That's fine. We don't we don't put sauce on it. We serve our sauce on the side, and you can add it or not add it. Oh, you don't you don't put sauce on it? Mm-mm. No, no, we don't put sauce. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna want it. Let me let me call my son and see if he still wants it, and uh, I'll call you back. <laughs> I just stood there with this blank look on my face, thinking, what did I miss? Did I just misunderstand something? So I ran through the conversation back in my head because I'm the first to admit there are times when the phone rings and I'm answering it and I'm looking at an email or I'm looking at my phone or I'm looking at crypto and I'm trying to pay attention to what the person's saying and I thought maybe that happened and I got confused and no, no, that was the real conversation. I want a sandwich, no sauce. Okay, we don't put sauce on it. Never mind, I don't want it. So I hung up, and I just sat there in silence, and I thought, how, how am I supposed to outsmart these people? <laughs> how am I supposed to outsmart them and sell them product when they don't follow the same rules of logic? And I know I'm generalizing when I say these people. Most of our customers are awesome. We don't have very many of these. When they do, I just cannot help but acknowledge them. And so if you've never been in charge Of marketing or selling to the general public, you don't really understand how frustrating it is. Because lots of these people there in the general public, including Maxine Waters and Al Sharpton, they don't walk around and they don't live by the same rules. They don't operate by the same set of values or standards. They don't compute things the way that we do. They don't react the same way that we do to things. And so the whole point of marketing is is trying to predict behavior and trying to say okay if we do this it will help us sell product and and we expect people will react to to our actions based on how most people react to certain actions but when you have people that just defy the norms it makes you want to bash your head on the wall you know the same people who who think that like we have people on horseback Running around whipping uh, border crossers w- with their reins because it feels like slavery are the same people I'm trying to sell beer to, and r- doesn't matter the color skin, nationality, whatever you know, none of that matters. We'll take money from anybody. I don't care. We just want them to buy beer. One thing I thought about—I don't know what made me think about this the other night—but whenever people talk to their babies. Uh, forgive me for my ignorance if if I'm illustrating it, but whenever people talk to their babies and when some people talk about their babies, they talk in third person. And I've asked, every time I've heard a mommy do this, I've said, hey, I don't have kids. I'm just curious. Like, why why do you say things like, okay, mommy's very mad at you, okay? But you're speaking in third person. Like, why would you do that? And, and every single time I've asked, I've probably asked four, maybe five, people? And the answer is always, I I don't know. I I don't know why I do it. I just hear other people do it. So I Googled it one day and I looked it up and I said, why do people speak in third person to their children? And the most common answer was, well, it's hard for children to understand the concept of first, second, and third person. And I thought to myself, well, I don't really believe that. Here I am questioning the science, right? I thought, you know, I don't believe that. I feel like maybe it's harder at first but then the second they break through that and they have a grasp or an understanding then they're just that much farther along whereas if we speak to them in this weird third person baby talk and then we expect and we have to unlearn them we have to reteach them the difference and and teach them oh no 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 now now we're going to shift to mommy speaking in first person you know and and that's just it just has to muddy the waters, no matter what. And so I understand that it might be difficult at first for a child to understand I versus mommy, and that I can be multiple people, but I feel like it's just something that if you just work through, if you sort through it, and you're patient with, with sorting through it, the minute they grasp that, the further ahead that, that they'll be. I also think this applies to talking to children in, in baby talk. You know, and I'm not talking about little goo goo gaga babies. I'm talking about children when they're learning to speak and they're learning to speak sentences. You know, and, and, and we do this goo goo gaga billy. Don't put your hand over there. If you put your hand over there, it'll be hot. It'll be real hot, it'll burn. Okay. I I feel like when we do that, we prolong their ability to communicate. And I think it's super important for kids to be able to communicate things. I think that's a huge breakdown in, in, in behavioral issues is that the child and the parent are having problems communicating. That's one of the issues. I have a couple other factors, but I'm not going to go into those now. Saying things like, no, Billy, we don't hit cats is confusing. You just say, no, Billy, do not hit cats, okay? Do not hit cats. To me, that seems like it would make more sense And sure, they figure it out. I understand that it's just, it's temporary. But here I am comparing it to dog training. Why would we teach something a certain way and then have to spend the energy and effort to go back and unteach it? Because that is what we have to do. I honestly think these are the types of things that people don't think about until they're later in life, mid-30s, mid-40s, something like that. I don't think a 19-year-old would think this way. That's why I think parents are more suited to be parents a little bit later in life than what we typically think. It would be interesting to see some studies that showed uh, the success rate or the, some type of benchmark of children who were born to parents later in life versus children who were born to parents earlier in life. But Brandon, you don't know about parenting you're a dog trainer. You can't just put dogs in crates and put shot colors on them. Oh. Okay. Well, if you can't do that, then I'm out. Okay. I think that's going to do it. Hey, uh, I did a whole show today without doing a segment on Slurry Joe. So, you should be proud of me. No Slurry Joe talk, no mass talk, a little bit of covid talk, and the rest I feel like was good info. So, if you want to hear more about the hunting experience, I'm not going to talk about it now. I'm going to hop over to Harry's podcast Eskimo Bros 69 which will soon be changed to the title Old Dog New Tricks featuring me and Harry it will no longer be Harry's podcast it will then be our podcast called Old Dog New it's not up yet we're really slow to do things it requires organization <laughs> give us some time for now go to the Eskimo Bros 69 podcast check it out it's good it's not as good as mine but it's pretty good Harry and I have some good conversations Thanks again for listening to Life in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Harper. Go out there, teach your kids something new today, spend less time on the phone and more time doing things productive. Invest as much money as you can afford to. I'm not gonna tell you what to buy. Spend some time training on your dog. Do something nice for your neighbor. Take your vitamins so that when you catch COVID, you can beat it with no problem. Hold the door open for an old person. Get plenty of sun and fresh air. Always give a firm handshake, and most of all, keep it tranquilo.